0: Hi, this is Kalia
1: and this is Chris and this is it's, it's a queer, queer thing. thing
0: on this show we focus on politics civil rights news and entertainment
1: and on this show we have special guests and interviews focusing on issues relevant to the LGBTQ plus community
0: so let's get to it Chris, guess what? What? Happy July.
1: Happy July, (laughs) Kaylia. We evolved.
0: Yes. I mean, I'm we're both still proud, but we're still very proud. Yes. Um, happy July. Today, as this episode drops, it is the 7th of July. So Pride Month has been over for a month. Fourth of July has come and gone. A a week. It has felt like a month. (laughs) I was at a family reunion and it feels feels very far away the month of June. Yeah,
1: yeah. I literally there cannot was a lot, I'm sorry. There was a lot going on. Don't you think this gin was just super packed?
0: This super June packed was it was incredible. Like a lot of things happened just in the community, personally, all kinds of stuff. And now July is is almost a quarter of the way done, which is just kind of a nuts thought because I feel like it just started. So, you know? Yay, it just keeps trucking and trucking. But what did you do on the 4th, Chris? How did you celebrate or not celebrate?
1: Well, let me tell you what I did. I stayed home because I had a four-day weekend and I decided, because we're going away next weekend to the coast, so I said, this four-day weekend, I'm staying home and I'm kind of like, you know, recharging and all that. So for the actual night of the 4th, I don't know why I'm putting that in quotes, but for the actual night of the (laughs) 4th, when all the bombs go off, i james went to bed early i stayed on the couch with the key fob with the fob for the car because they were setting off our car alarm every two to three minutes with the fireworks so i'd have to sit there and just eh, eh, to stop the car alarm from going off so that's that's the age range i'm in now i don't participate in the fireworks i don't go out to drink or anything i sit at home with a cocktail and i cancel or silence my car alarm with the key fob every time the okay. fireworks in the neighborhood set up so
0: i'm on my way to be an old man like you an old lady in my case but not did, quite did there
1: say how long that took that was like, <laughs> we're, we're no, going go, go ahead we need um, to start clocking it
0: i know right <laughs> but it was a natural i didn't just say it, it was I, yes.
1: I set you up for it you did. yes
0: so we went and saw the Indiana Jones movie in the daytime, the new Indiana Jones movie. And then we went and sat in was friend- that? It was great. I loved it. Then we sat in a pool in the afternoon time and chatted with friends. And then when the sun went down, I came home and took an adult candy and went to sleep and slept <laughs> very well. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> you, the fireworks didn't wake you up?
0: Not when I take my adult candy, Chris. It is, they right. will just knock me down.
1: AC will let you sleep.
0: Well, as most people who listen to this podcast know, I have glaucoma. And so I use a a healthy amount of CBD to help just with my pain management. But the THC is definitely a fun little thing. Yeah, it it took me a while to figure out the right gummy, the right Dosage and also the right brand. A lot of the different brands and the different versions they affect differently. So I've got a few now yeah. that I really, really like. My favorite comes from Humboldt County. It's a chocolate that comes from up there and it, it works the best of anything else I've ever had. But they're not sponsoring us and they're not giving us money. So I say we get into the show and stop talking about THC. Uh, so, right. r- real quick at the top of the hour here, friends, we want to let you know we're going to talk about Fourth of July. We're going to talk about fireworks. We're going to talk about some local politicians putting putting their big old feet in their big old mouths and how the community's response to them. We're going to have an amazing interview with our Congressman Jim Costa. We're going to tell you what books you should read, uh, LGBT books. We're going to talk about the zoo. We just, we have so many things to talk about today. I'm incredibly excited, but let's start with 4th of July since we were just talking about it. As you all know, a major part of 4th of July here in Fresno is the fireworks and as you also all know they started you know setting off fireworks on like the 15th of June it felt like this year it, they just go it's earlier and earlier every year and they started in the middle of the afternoon we heard fireworks I was like it's not even sunset but whatevs it's not my That's
1: uh, you know I never get that I hear they do it over here too they're setting them off in broad daylight I'm like what is the point of setting off fireworks I, in broad are you daylight? just
0: testing them to make sure they work because you only get to work them once I don't know I'm not right, a big fireworks right. person I find them inherently awful i just don't like them at all so it's just never even though been we used to jam. run a
1: fireworks stand for our oh. nonprofit, and, yeah, that was boy
0: did we so let that is a perfect segue good job you let's talk about those fireworks stand and a little bit of recent drama that happened in our community chris
1: okay so our friend jen cruz who runs the eoc lgbtq plus resource center downtown
0: and friend of the pod jen cruz she's been on the show a couple different times
1: she has we noticed that there was a picture online circulating one of the first days, maybe the first day her fireworks stand opened, of her and city council person Gary Bredefeld. Now, for those of you who don't know who Gary Bredefeld is, I hope you all do because it's hard for me to introduce him without some really explicit words, but I'm going to try and be good here. So Gary Bredefeld has historically and consistently over the last two or three years, especially the last couple of years, condemn the LGBTQ plus community in Fresno with vicious, awful words and phrases. He has called us depraved. He has called us immoral. And he has said that we indoctrinate children. So he is at the opposite end of the positive side of the LGBTQ plus spectrum in Fresno. So we saw this picture of him and Jen uh, posing happily uh, at the fireworks stand after he had purchased some $300 worth of fireworks. Um, So we shared it because we want people to know, well, listen, this guy is politically and morally against the LGBTQ plus community. But if he can save 30% on fireworks, he goes out to an LGBTQ plus sponsored fireworks stand and buys fireworks. Well, this picture took off online and a lot of people shared it as we hoped they would do.
0: And, you know, there, there might have been a hashtag that said dishonest Gary. <laughs>
1: that that might joke. have been a
0: thing that happened and was trending for a hot minute.
1: <laughs> it was. Kaylee, I came up with some hashtags. And so uh, we were very happy with this because we want people in, to see who he really is. Well, he got wind of it. He got very angry um, with Jen and uh, her fireworks stand for posting it. And he said he wanted to bring the fireworks back. He had no idea this was an LGBTQ plus fireworks stand.
0: He also called the picture phony. And if you've seen this picture, he's smiling. This is not someone who's just sidled up to next to somebody else and took a candid photo. This picture is posed. No. She's wearing a fight the power queer. A fist, A rainbow, a fist rainbow t-shirt. fish t-shirt. And he knows her because they have had interactions at City Hall before he questioned her about gender reaffirming. Care and in different city council meetings in the past, it's not like I mean it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He never reported
1: that out, he got caught, and when I pointed that out on his Facebook page, he said, "Oh no, I had no idea." And you know, he he just played dumb, which is pretty easy for him to do. And so, in fact, he ended up wanting a refund for the fireworks. Took them back to TNT. Jen had to refund his money for these fireworks, and then she put the fireworks into a drawing, and she said, "If you, you want to come." enter into the drawing to win these fireworks by a corrupt local politician, please do. Uh, What was interesting was that, I mean, the whole thing was interesting, but he and I and a couple of other, two or three other community members went back and forth on Facebook because we called him out. And he, what fascinates me is this is a public official, okay? I know he disagrees with our community uh, vehemently. I don't even know if disagree is the right word. He condemns our community and he does it over and over. He condemned us when the flag was raised at City Hall. He said that because there was a minister there who did a prayer, it was uh, our flag raising was against all Christians and a blasphemy and all this. Um, So he's got a a well-known history of this. So we went back and forth. I didn't think he was going to comment that, but he said things like, quote, find something to do besides defending the indefensible racial insane agenda involving children, unquote. Quote, we have We promote pornographic books focused on children, gender ideology, puberty blockers, and mutilating the genitals of children. It's depraved, sick, and evil. He also called us radicals promoting a destructive agenda. So Kaylee and I have reached out to his office, and I have reached out to him personally on Facebook several times saying, you want to talk about this stuff? We have a podcast. Come on the show. I did it again during this conversation he called our podcast idiotic and said he would never come on such a show.
0: Which, Um, I mean, that just proves to me that he hasn't listened because we're not idiotic, (laughs) but, you know.
1: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, in the same vein, I have reached out to Jim Franklin of Cornerstone Church, no response there. So these people who want to spew their rhetoric, they want to do it in an echo chamber where they are not challenged. They are not presented with countering facts. They want to do it. And let me just say this. I don't know... Personally, how Bredafeld feels about our community in his own heart, his own heart. But most of the politicians that are railing against our community right now about censoring books and all these things that we're going to talk more about, they are doing it for one purpose, and that purpose is to rally the base of voters around them yeah. who don't question their opinions. They say, "Oh, there's books in the library. We should be worried about." Well, then we're worried. They don't go and check them out. They don't. They don't go do any research into what these politicians are saying. So that's why they don't want to come on our show, Mr. Bredefeld. You don't want to come on our show because we will present you with our our facts. You are more than willing to present your facts if you have any, which I don't think you do. So come on the show and debate us. We would love to do it.
0: Well, and, you know, it's interesting. We were just talking about the books. Another city council, Clovis City Council, Diane, Pierce uh posted Pierce. yes uh, something on Facebook I was on vacation and I got tagged in somebody literally sent me a message and said oh my god this is awful you need to do something about it and so I shared it and and got and whipped the fans into a friend you did because you did. This... there's
1: there's currently 222 comments on that Facebook post yeah of which yeah. we are uh, we are a part of
0: we're a, a major major part of um and she basically her post was like you you should wait until after June to take your kids to the public library because of the these books that are out and and there's a little teeny tiny pride display etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But the thing is that like most of the comments were against her beliefs, right? Like a lot right, of people right. were coming into these comment section being like. it's just representation. Like people deserve to be represented and blah, 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 blah. And a few people argued back and like, oh, it's not appropriate for children. But then you'd say, well, what age is it appropriate? They wouldn't have an answer for that. It kind of, there was back and forth, but she, and at one point she's like, well, it doesn't matter how many people show up who aren't part of Clovis that, you know, my constituents believe. And everybody was like, well, we're all part of Fresno County. And a lot of the commenters are Clovis citizens, you know, the people who live there in Clovis. So It does matter. And it matters because the Fresno Unified, Fresno Unified School District is not what I meant to say. I keep saying that by accident. The Fresno County Public Library system is for the whole county. So when Fresno libraries put up these things, it's for the whole county and it matters. And we need to make sure we're giving them proper respect and and thanking them. So if you have a minute and you don't want to do the kind of activism that puts your name you know, in a comment thread on Facebook with people or, you know, that takes you out of your home and going downtown and holding signs. A real easy thing to do is call your local library and just say, hey, I see you have gay books. Thanks. The end. Like you literally don't have to say anything else. I know you have a wide variety of books for children and adults. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and libraries are under attack all across the country. Librarians are literally quitting their jobs because they are getting death threats and they don't feel safe when they go to work. And this is all because of books, education. Let me just say this, all books, all education is valid. All of it. You, you, we all have all this, this vast array of, of literature to choose from. We read it, we don't read it, but we take from it, we don't take from it. That's the way a free country works. You don't censor books. We all know who has censored and burned books in the past. Do we want to emulate that?
0: Well, and it's really interesting because these people are like, oh, these books shouldn't be at the library. And I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of books at the library that are not my jam or that I think are gross or I think that are dumb or insipid. But I just don't check those books out. I, right. I don't know, maybe it's called self control, like, not everything is gonna be for you. And that's okay. But taking it away from other people is wrong. It's just wrong. Yeah.
1: And here's the other thing uh, that just exactly what you were just saying, they, first of all, I confronted a few people who commented on this, this comment thread on Diane's page and said, tell me what about this particular book or any of the book you would uh, disagree with or are bothered by none of them responded because none yeah. of them have read the books. They haven't even probably opened the book. They just see the book as a title and they see it it is something about the LGBTQ plus community and they are against it. There's a there's a avid campaign going on across the country to not just disagree with our community. They want to erase us. They don't want us to talk about ourselves. They don't want us to read about ourselves. And um, as I was just uh, as we were talking to Story Van Ness on one of our other podcasts this month, if you are anti-gender affirming, you are anti-suicide prevention because gender affirmation prevents suicide. It's proven. It's a fact. Everybody in the medical and scientific community knows this. So when you were saying take books away from children, whether they read them or not, they're available to them. Take those books away. You are promoting damage. You are promoting taking health care away from trans kids because let's face it, the thing they don't tell you about is trans kids exist. LGBTQ people exist. Kaylee and I are right here. We we're here all the time talking to you guys. There's a large community in Fresno. We are here. We're not going anywhere. Taking away our stuff is not going to make us go away, but taking away our stuff is going to damage the health of children.
0: And what floors me is always the hypocrisy, right? Because if you actually start to try to engage with any of these people, and they're like, this one commenter in particular was like, I don't care if you're gay or straight. I just don't want that shoved down my, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, so I'm so sorry. Like I literally clicked on this person's profile, went to their page. Their page is all mostly private, which is, you know, that's a good thing. But one of the things that they had, it was a public, one of their only public posts was raising money for autism. And I went back to her and I was like, autism is a thing that is very close to your heart. I can see that you're raising money. I also feel strongly that we should have more money put towards research and development for autist- autistic people. Here's the thing, a while back, go back enough a little bit, Um, there were no autistic people on television, in the movies, or in books. And representation matters To in order to destigmatize the aspect of autism. And for a long time, when they were, it was always somebody who is bad or evil or completely nonverbal and awful and a bird and like all of these things. The stories that we told about the autistic community were harmful to the autistic community. And it's only through proper and good representation that those attitudes are changing and our world is changing and becoming more accepting through the process of more education and representation. So if you are saying you're okay with gay people, but you just don't want it shoved down your throat, but at the same time you're saying, but we also need to make sure that we're you know, opening our minds up to autism. It's the same thing and it, it boggles my mind that you can't see that connection. And of course, she didn't respond at all to of what course, I was they saying. But I was did. like, I feel like you I and who knows if she will take that to heart. But I feel like it is important if you have the spoons to have these engage in these conversations with people online because it you might not convince that person that you're talking to. Gary Breadfeld is never gonna change his mind. But he can't be the only voice out there and we need our voices right. to combat that. So,
1: yeah, and I, I, I people up. tell people tell me this all the time because, you know, me, I'm an engager um, and people tell me all the time, including my husband, you know, you need to pull back. It's stressing you out, this and that. And I will post comments. I go to Fox uh, News on Facebook a lot. I go to the Fox News uh, website a lot. And I post comments. And the reason I do that, I'm not thinking I'm going to necessarily change anybody's mind. And I can tell you, after many, many years of confronting closed-minded people, I have touched two or three people to maybe think about, maybe let's say five or less in many, 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 many years. So I understand that. But the reason I do it and the reason I uh, encourage other people to go to pages you're not comfortable with and post a comment on a subject that you disagree with is because of that person that's coming up behind you, who you don't know, and they may be queer, they may not be queer, they may not be somebody that comments, but they're gonna read those comments. And if the only thing they see is anti-LGBTQ plus, then they may stay in their corner and not say, I need to do something. But if they see one or two comments from us who says that's wrong, that's not true, maybe it spurs a conversation.
0: Maybe. Yep, it's important. Well, I think that this is a good transition to a elected official who does have our back, who is a fearless ally for the LGBT community we were really lucky and honored to get a chance to talk to Jim Costa and his people promised us 10 to 15 minutes. And you guys, it's it's over 30 <laughs> minutes of a conversation. And it's great. And he represented- but it's a
1: great conversation. It is a yeah. great
0: conversation. He definitely found his stride and got real engaged, um, especially the second on the back half of the, of the conversation, for sure, for sure. So we're going to go ahead and play that now. And then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about a few of the things that he mentioned. We still got some books to talk about, as well as Chris has got to give us a recap of that zoo event so stay tuned after the interview but let's go ahead and and listen to that interview right now ready to swoosh let's swoosh together (laughs) we're so excited today to have a congressman a real life congressman here with us talking so congressman please tell our listeners who you are and what you do
2: well first of all i'm um uh very appreciative to be on this podcast and I know Kalia how hard you and Chris work to put this together every week and uh, but it's so important because uh, the information you provide to our community and and uh, in this day and age uh, with so much misinformation out there um, I just want to give you all the credit for for doing the right thing for the right reasons. I am Jim Costa. I'm a local boy <laughs> from the Kearney Park area. My grandparents uh, immigrated to the country like a lot of other immigrants, past and present. I think the secret sauce of America is that we're a nation of immigrants, past and present. Like a lot of immigrant families, they didn't speak English. They came here uh, 1897 and 1904. My father uh, grew up in Goshen, the metropolitan area of Goshen Junction, Uh in, had to quit Packwood elementary in the sixth grade. All the boys did because they were trying to save up enough money to buy a, a purchase, get into the dairy business. We, we, we Portuguese have an affinity for cows, it seems. And uh, my mother was born in the Eagle. It is a thriving metropolis called Corcoran and raised in Stratford, not to be confused with Stratford by the Avon, by no means, although there is a lake near Stratford these days. And, uh, had to quit as a freshman uh, at Lamore High School because her father had been injured in an agriculture accident, and she was very unhappy because she liked school. And there's another story I'll tell you about that later on. But I, you know, grew up like a lot of folks, a lot, a lot of kids in this valley. Uh, you know, uh, my uh, parents, my mom had this visions for her two children, and we're among the first to go to college, Fresno State. And uh, I did an internship, and I encourage uh, young people to get involved in internships, because regardless of what path they choose in their lives, I think it really allows them to understand in our nation's capital, how things work, and just as importantly, how they don't work. And so I've had the honor and the privilege to represent the people of this valley for many years. Uh, uh, One time or another, I've represented nine out of the 10 counties in the valley, from Kern County to Stanislaus. So um, I'm, I'm very... Uh, involved in, in health care and uh, education and infrastructure, transportation and water and uh, trying to um, deal with the challenges our immigrants communities find. And I'm, I'm very, uh, the social issues, the, uh, the challenges we face today, uh, notwithstanding the progress we've made in past decades, we seem to be taking steps backwards these days and the demonization of uh, the uh, the lgbtq plus community is a very significant and real example today of the steps backwards uh recent supreme court decisions obviously included uh i've been an original co-sponsor of the equality act and uh, one out of ten violent victimizations uh, are against the lgbtq plus community uh, and, and so many of these are hate crimes. I won't go into details what the bill does, but uh, the Respect for Marriage Act, an uh, original co-sponsor and that was signed into law in 2022 uh, by uh, um, President Biden, and enshrines the marriage equality in the federal law for same-sex and racial couples. Um, and the Transgender Bill of Rights is something that uh, we're all very aware of uh, transgender Americans are four times more likely to be victims of crime. Uh, since January state and federal legislators opposed more than sadly nationwide 450 anti-LGBTQ plus bills. And uh, clearly with the Republicans in control of the house, although it's only by four votes and uh, a one vote margin in the Senate, the likelihood of uh, passing that Transgender Bill of Rights, although President Biden, I think, would sign it in a heartbeat, is not good. So with that opening, uh, I'd be happy to have a conversation, uh, Kalia, with you and Chris, uh, about the challenges facing our uh, LGBTQ plus community and uh, and how important a role you play. And I was excited to, I, I've done some things for Pride Month that may have reached social media uh I hope it has if we're doing our job right yeah and it was a lot of fun to be in the parade uh, again this year uh, with James my buddy and his daughter and uh, so uh I'm I'm all yours for uh, <laughs> the next 10, 15 minutes.
0: Well, I know Chris has got a question geared up for you about that misinformation and the backlash, but I just wanted to say thank you for being a supporter. It was great to see you at the flag raising. It's always great to see you at the events. But go ahead, Chris. I know you got a question.
1: So, Congressman, given what you mentioned, the recent Supreme Court decision uh, that basically is saying that uh, businesses may be allowed to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people, in their business if it violates their religious beliefs. I want you to talk about how we balance LGBTQ plus rights with the freedom of religion this, in this country. And do you feel that it was a just decision? In other words, should religious believing people in business be allowed to discriminate? And if not, why not?
2: Well, I, I believe in the uh, bill of rights that protects our ability to uh, uh a symbol, uh, our freedom of speech, our freedom of religion, our freedom of press. Uh, but I think the Supreme court got it wrong. I don't think that, that uh, you know, we should discriminate against, uh, people in, in America regardless of, um, from what station they come in life from. And, and so, uh, and I think that, uh, My interpretation, which is one of the reasons I was, you know, excited to be an original co sponsor of the Respect for Marriage Act that we passed in the last Congress that was signed into law, uh, was in essence to continue to protect those uh, freedoms that we cherish in this country. And, uh, you know, I I think that uh, obviously uh, Mitch McConnell. Broke his word several times uh, in attempting to stack the Supreme Court and to give, um, you know, President uh, Trump the ability to name three Supreme Court justices. Now we're seeing the impacts of that. When President Obama had over a year left in his second term and uh, he nominated Merritt Garland, I think that uh, he might have had a different set of circumstances. but. you know, in the near term, we're gonna to have to live with this very conservative court. And until we regain the majority uh, in the House and hopefully maintain our majority in the Senate and add to that, nothing should be taken for granted in next year's election. Uh, I just hope that this, that's friends who feel like uh, both of you do and myself and, and others understand that elections do make a difference. And, and that's why it's so important. I know people get tired of what's going on in Washington and why should I be involved? Well, there's a couple of reasons right there on why people should be involved, because their vote does make a difference.
1: So how do you, if, if you're talking to someone who is saying, you know, I'm a religious person, I own a business and I create websites or cakes or whatever, and I don't feel comfortable how do we argue with them that they need to follow this? Because this the Supreme Court uh, judgment or ruling was against a law that already existed that said you can't discriminate. So we as a community are feeling like, oh, this is going to go further and more and more places are going to be able to discriminate. It's even in California where we're worried, and usually in California, we feel pretty secure. But how do we how do we talk to people who are saying to us as a religious person, I should be allowed to be in business and pursue my religious beliefs without having to compromise, so to speak, and, uh, you know, deal with LGBTQ plus people?
2: Well, I take my lessons, and the best response I can give you is really from the civil rights movement. Congressman John Lewis, uh, who I uh, can say was a, a good friend, I had him here in Fresno, Back in 2014 I went with him on faith and politics to recreate the steps that he a 26 year old uh, in uh, you know in Alabama and Mississippi. Uh, I got to walk across the Edmund Pettit bridge with John and he was 26 years old when uh, he and the fellow marchers uh, were beaten by the Alabama National Guard. You know, and I think we all learn lessons in life. I was—this will give away my age, but <laughs> I was 12 years of age. My mom and dad used to always, you know, for people with limited education, children of immigrants. It was interesting their background. We would watch the evening news. Dad and I would come in from working out on the on the ranch and stuff, and we'd watch and we discuss it. And in 1964, I remember. John Lewis crossing, you know, we all have transitions of our loss of innocence. And uh, when they were beaten up and I said, Mom, why are they beating those people up? And she Mm -hmm. says, well, Jim, those people want to have a right to vote. And I said, you know, I'm studying, you know, civics and and grammar. school. I said, Mom, in America, doesn't everybody have a right to vote? And She says, no, Jim, in some parts of America, they suppress and try to prevent people from voting. So that was a passage for me. I Market because of, of an innocence that I thought I had. I mean, you know, uh, we 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 say, and I think it's aspirational, but it's terrific, that we want to in order to form a more perfect union, right? Well, we're never gonna be a perfect union, but we make we make progress. And to hear the stories, to to go to the Baptist church in Birmingham where uh, four little girls were killed because uh, a, a Ku Klux Klan member was trying to to, to make a statement uh, of bigotry and hate that we see being uh, you know targeted to the to uh, the LGBTQ plus community today. I mean, it's the same sort of uh, uh, hate that we've had to deal with in our country for. 247 years, we're going to celebrate our birthday tomorrow, our nation. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think that what we have to do is to have our community come together, realizing that, you know, some people's view of their I mean, we have, you know, people whose religious views of the world don't, I think I I, you know, I, I, I have my Catholicism but I've been close and afar to my Catholicism over the year. I prefer Pope Francis a lot better than the previous Pope. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, his interpretation of, of the edicts of the church are, 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 are much different. And so this is, I think, a transitional time in our nation's history. I think we're going to get through this. But I think we have to be together and we have to continue to educate people. There is so much misinformation today that, uh, you know, uh, f- fake news or whatever you want to call it. And and it's not only, you know, within our own country, but what a lot of people don't understand is a podcast like yours that is trying to educate and, and give forums for people like myself to, to speak is the same type of uh, platform that is being used and manipulated every single day by the Russians in St. Petersburg, by the Chinese in Beijing, by uh, some of the, uh, you know, radical Muslim groups, North Koreans. Why? Because they want to continue to create disruption and play on divisions in America. And so they want to take you know, what some French groups do and portray that as, you know, the mainstay in America. The, and, and people listening to those podcasts think they're getting it from Des Moines, Iowa or Little Rock, Arkansas. And it's coming straight out of... As, I mean, the, the, the millions of dollars that the Russians and the Chinese and others spread is a, is a, a, a small bargain that they get, uh, that they invest to create further dissension, disagreement, uh, disagreement and play upon the fears. Let me say it just simply. Uh, in our country and around the world, there's always been the politics of hope and aspiration, such as to form a more perfect union, and the politics of hate and division. And historically, and I'm a student of American history and world history, historically, both the politics of hope and the politics of fear have been successful at different times in our history. And we saw the previous administration have significant success, much to my dismay and others, on using the politics of fear and playing on people's fear. You know, there's, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I love music and of all kinds and, and, and Broadway. And uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein in South Pacific there's a great song that they talk about and the lyrics are wonderful, look it up, but, but you have to teach people how to hate. You have to teach them how to hate uh, very carefully. And, and it really is a, a reflection of really how, how fear and hate comes together and how it spreads. Uh, and people who have, you know, come from a very sheltered or limited background uh, are played upon. And then they believe that as their credo. It's
0: true. So do you have any advice to our listeners who might be struggling with the fact that there is so much misinformation and who might have family members who get their news from untrustworthy sources, um, you know, and then and then dig in? Do you, do you have advice for for us? Do you have a message of hope? Are we just is this a pendulum? We just wait for it to swing? Or is there something we can? Is there something tangible we can do?
2: Well, first of all, let me tell you, I'm not an expert, but I, I, I have, we all know through our personal experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I believe the pendulum will come back, but it won't unless we're all engaged and involved. And that's why, you know, I've had family members and, and uh, who, uh, you know, and I'm talking about 20, 30 years ago that uh, first came out and uh, it was difficult within our own family because of you know just the way aunts and uncles were brought up in the twenties and the thirties, and uh, it took great courage, uh, as it always does, and I began to understand that better as a, as a younger person uh, in my early twenties. You know, I, I you know, uh, uh, Kearney Park. And Rolanda is no bastion of liberalism. <laughs> Let's get that straight. <laughs> and uh, and you know my cousins who who you know went through that struggle said you know Jim, it's easier in some ways for uh, me or, or to continue to uh, to live in this masquerade. And to live this lie, but it's not who I am. And there's something about love with a family, and our family is very fortunate that we have a lot of love in our extended family on both sides, that they educated so many members of our family. Because they knew who they were when they were kids and grew up, you know, and and, and because they loved them, they, uh, you know, uh, they learned. Mm-hmm. And they learned things that they did not understand or know before. And so I think it's, you know, it's it's that educational process that we have to continue. And there's different ways we do it. We do it through Pride Month. We do it through raising the flag at City Hall. We do it through legislation that attends, attempts to protect people's uh, rights, their, their God-given rights, I might say. You know, I mean, some people are... Uh, uh, do not embrace religion, that's fine. But the fact is, is that uh, this is a process. John Lewis was so saddened in 2015 and 16 when the Roberts Court began to turn back Voting Rights Act. I mean, John was beaten up and and he was the last of the civil rights icons to, to be with us. And just, I mean, he took us to the home of Medgar Evers in Jackson, Mississippi. And Medgar Evers' wife was there and explained how her husband was assassinated at their house coming home to be with his children because he was leading a march in Jackson, Mississippi that coming weekend. So the struggle always is there and the challenge. And we make progress. But then, as we've seen here recently, we take steps backwards, mm-hmm. uh, so you know uh, it, it. Just I think reinforces to me, a person who follows history, that we have to be together. We have to be better at educating our family members. Start there, okay? <laughs> you yeah. know, and with a large extended family, I can tell you, you know, uh, but but because they love, uh, we we love each other. Family they they learned, mm-hmm. they, they, they learned, uh, and they, their understanding became better. Yeah. And, and, and then that happens with neighbors, you know, I mean, when they, they, they farm next to me, uh, and when they put the rainbow flag out on their, on their house, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. I mean, I mean, some people kind of knew, but I mean, all of a sudden, you know, this is just a lot of farmers that live out there. Yeah. And but symbol of that flag next to the U.S. flag, I thought was perfect. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, he had served in, in the Navy and, uh, you know, uh, felt strongly about it. I mean, was involved in my campaign uh, and, uh, you know, and. Anyway, so that that's my own personal story. And if that's of any help, for example. Absolutely.
0: I, I think that's great. It's a lot like um, what Harvey Milk said. If they know us, they can't hate us. So I want to just give you a chance to talk about some of the good, wonderful, progressive progress type things that you're doing for our community. Um, You have talked a lot about your roots and your family and education. And I know that the Farm Workforce Modernization Act probably comes from your background of knowing about the farmers and the struggle. So do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what that is? My note just says it is a, it would, um, let's see, a reform a current program and provide a pathway to legal status for farm workers. So... What can you tell us about Correct.
2: that? Okay. <laughs> and and to say that since I was first elected to Congress back in 2004, I have always supported comprehensive immigration reform. And the closest we came to that was 2013 when John McCain, uh, it was four Republican senators and four Democratic senators came together uh, to pass comprehensive immigration reform that would have provided legal status and a path to citizenship, an earned path to citizenship, not amnesty, uh, that would have also uh, provided further protections on our borders to deal with issues like the fentanyl problem, which is a real challenge that we have in this country. Uh, for it to pass 68 to 32 is really overwhelmingly, I mean, I don't know that you can get a motherhood resolution out of the Senate 68 to 32. <laughs> but the votes were in the, the votes were in the House. There were 180 of us Democrats that would have voted for it, and there were 60 or more Republicans that would have voted for it. But sadly, uh, Speaker John Boehner did not have the political courage to bring it up. Since that time, we've tried to do incremental work. President Obama tried to use the executive, executive order for DREAMers and for DACA. And in more recent years, we've tried to do incremental immigration reform for farm workers and include DREAMers with that to provide them Legal status and to modify the H, two A program uh, because we have a shortage of workers in this country. I mean, our unemployment's at three point five, and um, for the campesinos uh, who literally have a partnership with our farmers, ranchers, dairymen, and women, uh, put food on America's dinner table every night. Food is a national security issue. I know most people don't think of that way, but. We have 4% or less of the nation's population directly involved in the protection of food and fiber and the people who work in the fields. And these are skilled jobs, by the way. I know. I've done them since the time I was a kid until my early 20s. And that's hard work. These are some of the hardest working people you ever meet in your life. And and they're struggling to, to gain a foothold for themselves and, and their families to not provide them with the legal status they deserve and an opportunity for permanent residence and ultimately citizenship is just, you know, unacceptable. And so we passed it twice in the last Congress. We could not get traction in the Senate. We're trying again this year. Uh, but beyond that, uh, you know, uh, we have people that, uh, that if you look at any reform, and, and certainly we have problems at our border to be sure, but if you call everything amnesty, then how do you get there from here? Uh, you know, but it's, It's, again, playing on people's fear. You know, we talked about before how you play on people's fear. And this is a continuation of trying to play on people's fear, even though uh, most of the uh, folks in agriculture in this valley will tell you they need immigration reform for farm workers. They understand it. And uh, many of these uh, individuals have worked on these farms for years. They've been, uh, you know, promoted in job status, and, and uh, their families have lived there in education. But it's got to be really scary, you know, if you know you've got a family of four or five, and two or three of your family members are here legally, and the others are not. To be pulled over for a traffic ticket, and realizing that that may be one step away from being deported. So uh, this would uh, address that. We're also working on, you know, in, in the last Congress, you know, with, under the leadership of uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi, who was just a, an incredible speaker. She'll go down in history. And and Nancy and I have known each other for a long time, and I uh, truly respect and admire her. We haven't always agreed. Of course, the politics of San Francisco are much different than the politics of the San Joaquin Valley. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is uh, she was able to do so much we, we passed more important legislation uh, for the American Rescue Plan to uh, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Package to uh, the CHIPS Act to the Inflation Reduction Act to deal with uh, the environment, which is so critical with climate change. And over 200 bills, it gets lost to most people because the Republicans don't like to acknowledge it. They we're bipartisan. <laughs> we passed with the Republican votes that President Biden signed into law. We probably passed more progressive legislation in the last Congress. You'd have to go back to the 1960s to the civil rights era uh, with with Lyndon Johnson. So uh, we're working on taking those monies and all of those acts so that we can make the kind of investments we need to make in people, uh, which we're living off of that our parents and grandparents made. I'm talking about investments in our transportation getting high-speed rail that will help with our, our, our issues of public of traffic safety and climate change, efforts to um, improve our water investments. Uh, we have real water challenges in California. You know, I told the Secretary of Agriculture in a testimony last uh, month, I said, Mr. Secretary, you know, we've had extreme drought in California for the last three years. It was dry, dry, dry. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for more rain. And I guess we've prayed really good because the last (laughs) five months have been biblical. We know that we measure measure our snowpack in the Sierra and our rainfall in 10-year averages and with climate change we're needing to address and adjust to that. And broadband. You know, I hope we've learned a few lessons on this pandemic. You you know, you can create masks in a week or so, but you can't create physicians or nurses. Uh, And we are an underserved area. And so I'm trying to get a medical school here. And last week you noted that we had a workshop to try to use our, our, our colleges that train nurses, our community of Fresno City has the largest nursing program. And Fresno State has a two uh, baccalaureate program, but it's a two year wait to get into the baccalaureate program. And it's estimated we're gonna have a shortage of between six and 9,000 nurses by the year 2030. So our healthcare is critical, as my mom used to tell me, you know, Jim, if you don't have health, you don't have anything. And so uh, with the Affordable Health Care Act passed in 2010, it's one of my votes I'm very proud of. Uh, It was very opposed at the time. But we've been able to uh, improve our healthcare in rural areas and our clinics from young to old alike and prenatal care and dental care, Clinica La Sierra, United Health, Golden Valley, Carmarina. Livingston Health. I mean, all of these, and you live out in the rural areas. It takes a while to come into Fresno to get adequate treatment. So we're working on getting a medical school, improving our our nursing programs, uh, so that we can meet the needs of a growing state of California, so that we can uh, do what's right. But I was saying one of the lessons in the pandemic, when you talk about telemedicine and uh, you know remote learning, and thank God we we've, we've gotten through that with important vaccines, and I hope all of your listeners on this podcast are vaccinated. Me too. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is is that if you don't have access to broadband, good luck on telemedicine or uh, remote learning. I mean, we had families that would go to libraries or, or go to school, to drive their kids so that they could find a hotspot. Now, with the legislation we passed and the money available, we believe that by, uh, in the next two years, every part of America, every rural America will have access to broadband. And it's so critical for every walk of life and for us to educate. So those are among the things that I'm very proud of that we're working on today. And uh, we'll continue to do our very best. But I, I really appreciate your allowing me to talk about all of these issues on your pop- podcast. And, and, and I would be remiss if I did not say that our staff makes me look good in spite of myself. But uh, Catherine <laughs> is my deputy chief of staff does a terrific job and our other staff members. And my chief of staff, Juan Lopez, uh, was part of my education. Juan loves coming here. He's here almost once a month. And he worked up his way up from scheduler. He served in the Air Force. and served uh, with different members of Congress and in the Clinton administration. And when I first hired him almost 19 years ago, by the way, he and his partner, Will, uh, how long have they been married? I, I forget. Anyway, they're celebrating today their 20th anniversary together.
0: Wow. And
2: I, I said, to, uh, Juan, when I hired him 19 years ago, I said, is there anything that I should know? Because I knew he would be a good fit and he would do a, a terrific job that I shouldn't just know. I mean, it doesn't matter, but, you know. And he said it was the first time in his life he had ever was, was public about it. But he said, uh, uh, yeah, yes. He said, uh, very proper, polite guy. <laughs> he says, I'm gay. And uh, I says, well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you are who you are. <laughs> And uh, I always tease him. I says, man, it's been the best 18 years of your life. But uh, he's worked his way up to be chief of staff. And, um, and so he and Kathy uh, are a good team. Every day we get a chance to help people. That's my passion. I don't care for the politics too much, Chris. Or, but um, but uh, we do what we have to do to do what we love to do, which is to help people and try to make a difference and get things done.
1: Yeah, and that's why we do what we do, too. So we really
2: appreciate that. That's all you you need to know about Jim Coster. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I know we've gone over. I can see Kathy over there watching the clock, and I. But I appreciate it so much, and this has been a great conversation. I you have to come back when when you launch your reelection campaign and talk to us some more down the road.
1: And I just want I just, I just want to say, Congressman, that today I was working on writing an article about a local city council member that is spewing all kinds of hateful rhetoric about the lgbtq plus community so it's so refreshing and i knew who you were before we brought you on the podcast but it's so refreshing to have a politician sit there and say the things that support our community and we truly appreciate you for
0: yes it. representation and allyship it's key
2: but you know we learn every day and, and i mean part of what i tried to share with you and why i talked about you know this immigrant background and and my parents you know not speaking English and stuff I mean my family has learned and we've become enlightened with each generation and, and I've learned and so you know and these are values hopefully we pass on uh, because we must and it's easy to get discouraged uh, when you see what's going on here with the politics of division and hate in all its forms but I bring inspiration to myself and it's why I tried to relate this story of John Lewis. I mean, you think of the courage these people had in the 1960s. And, and I have some people in the African American community, some are no longer with us, but old friends that I've worked with for years. And when I came back that first time, which in 2014, I was sharing this with one of my friends who had been very successful here. And uh, he had gone to Fresno State and, and served as a, one of the first African-Americans on the city council and had done other wonderful things. And as I was relating to him, so he says, you know, Jim, when I was in, in university, I, wanted, I was in a protected environment here and, and I wanted to go there in the summer and, 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 you know, be a part of it. But my parents wouldn't let me. He said, you know, you can't go there. That place, it's a different world down there. And they were fearful that something would happen like those uh, university students that were killed and buried in that earthen dam. So I only say that because it takes courage and it takes consistency and it takes, guess what the, the, the community is so good at that I draw inspiration from? Love it takes love <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah
2: right right you know we just have to not be afraid to emote and 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 to love even when it's not returned so uh, yes exactly
0: yep, that is the challenge those
2: are the things i those are it's a big challenge but those are among my life experiences that that i can share
0: well, thank you once again. And I hope you have a wonderful 4th of July. I don't know if you're celebrating it locally or off in Washington, D.C., but wherever you do, I hope you celebrate it with good eats and good feats of. I can't even think. I'm so. I'm brain- there you go. Pyrotechnics. <laughs> well, that's the word. I, I want to wish
2: all of uh, your listeners on this podcast uh, a wonderful, safe, and sane, underlined, staying 4th of July. Celebrating 247 years, realizing that in order to form a more perfect union, we all have to be a part of this uh, because, um, you know, it it takes that effort uh, and we have to be committed for the long haul. And uh, I'm going to go up someplace in the mountains where it's cooler. (laughs) uh, Yeah, good idea. With with some friends. And so, um, anyway, thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. We hope to have you on again sometime, Congressman.
2: Okay, you have a deal. Okay.
1: (laughs) All right. Take care. All right. Welcome back. I just want to say, and I I said this to Jim during the interview, you know, especially after talking about Gary Bredefeld and other local politicians that are just, uh, you know, um, hating on our community. It's so refreshing to talk to somebody like Jim, who's been around a very long time. And it, his story about how he grew up and how he learned to deal with diversity and accept and and uh, get educated about diversity. Um, it was so refreshing to talk to a politician like that.
0: What I really liked was, you know, he talked about his family had love. And so someone came out and it wasn't what they were used to. And they learned because they loved. And I just love that idea so much. It. It's very hopeful and optimistic.
1: (laughs) And And it's true. You know, he's absolutely right. You know, gay people, you accept gay people. That's why we're always talking about coming out of the closet. If it's safe for you to come out, come out. Because uh, whether your family doesn't know you or your friends don't know you or your employers, employers don't know you. Once they get to know you and they see it's not some deep, some dark demon in the back of the room. That we're just like everybody else, it makes a big difference.
0: I remember coming out to somebody once and I was like, well, you know, they said something that was not totally homophobic, but kind of skirted the issue, you know, just a smidge. Right. And I right. said, well, you know, I'm queer. And she was like, you are queer. And I said, yeah, and she goes, but you seem so normal. And I was like, <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe you need to adjust what you think about queer people. Right. <laughs> she was yeah, like, you know. oh, I guess. But like, yeah, it I've just had always... never occurred to her because in, you know, and this was a long time ago is before I even right. lived in Fresno. But like her perception was like, oh, gay people only live in San Francisco and they play big parties or they're, you know, they died of AIDS or or they're the butch lesbians who, you know, are angry and men hating and blah, blah. Like she had these very clear stereotypes in her brain. And it was it it was fun to kind of poke a hole in that. So
1: I think a lot of people do even in this day and age, I've been able to pass, so to speak, as a straight man, for many, many years, people don't always know I'm gay just by meeting me. So they'll say something like Kalia just mentioned, they'll say something that might be I would think inappropriate. Or they might say, usually with me, it happens like, well, what does your wife think? And I'm like, Oh, my husband thinks this. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they get that look on their face. And I'm like, yeah, you know, in 2015, we were all granted the right to legally marry in this country. That was nine years ago. You don't think there's gay people around you? Really?
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see, hopefully, the default position, because I obviously I'm in a straight passing relationship as well. And, uh, you know, the default position people think is themselves, right? We see that in literature. You see that in, in all kinds of things. People default to the dominant power or their own identity so when you're reading a book if you start a new novel you pick it up you have not read the blurb on the back no way of knowing you are going into it and the person is talking on the first person i got up and i and i grabbed my you know blah 98 blah, percent blah, of us will assume that that person is us for me it'd be a white woman Right. I, I assume that it's right. a white woman who's telling the story and tell something comes along. Oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, she was this or she was that or he was this or he was that. And and then, oh, we have to readjust. So it's it's natural. But I think that we need to be aware of that so that we don't assume that everybody's in that default position. Yeah.
1: So. And 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 I, I'm not sharing anything, Kaylea wouldn't want me to share, but she's bisexual. So she's currently in a relationship with a man and she has a child so to people who meet her you know it's very easy for them to say oh you're straight or even not even think about the queer thing so I love when she you know (laughs) because I can always see in Kaylee the back of Kaylee's mind it's ticking (laughs) go ahead say it go ahead say it yeah go ahead (laughs) go ahead
0: (laughs) Oh, I, well. What I love is when I'm wearing my pride hat or my rainbow bracelet or you know whatever else, and somebody will be like, "Oh, so you're you're like an ally?" And I'm like, "Well, actually, no. I mean, <laughs> kind of, but it is my community." So an active ally. I'm a, I'm I'm very and, active. And I <laughs> and I think that at some
1: point on the podcast, Kaylee and I need to do a bisexual episode because I had some issues with understanding bisexual people. Until I met this woman and she became my close friend and she talked about her experiences and through her, I came to understand bisexual people. So it's important that we, you know, they're included in our acronym and we understand them.
0: You're going to make me cry. Okay. We got to We got to go, got to go, got to go to another topic. Cause I'm getting all verklempt over here. Quicks checks notes. Let's see here. Oh, something else that Jim Costa talked about, which I really liked was the, um, the idea that you have to learn how to hate. And I know we're just kind of kicking this dead horse, but let's kick it a couple more times. The lyrics from that South Pacific song, the song, by the way, is called, you've got to be carefully taught. And the lyrics are great. They say, you've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed into your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. And it goes on from there. But the idea is that we're not born hating. We're born as little people who are open minded, who just love people for people. And it's not until someone tells us those people are bad, those people are this, that or the other thing that 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 goes into our brain. So I just think that
1: that goes back to the whole conversation we were having earlier about children and books, because if you don't have those books out there in the libraries for kids, not just trans kids or LGBTQ kids, but straight kids to look at, they Mm -hmm. will not understand that there are all kinds of people in the world and they don't need to fear them because fear is the real thing they're trying to play on here they don't need to fear them they need to learn about them the same way that we learn about other people i say to people all the time and i've repeated this ad nauseum but i'm going to repeat it again i grew up i'm 61 years old so when i was a child see kaylee i brought it back to the (laughs) when i was a child in the early in the late 60s and early 70s there was no representation on TV or movies or books that I could relate to. So I had nothing. I grew up reading straight books, watching straight movies, being told every single day that being gay, not they weren't telling me because they didn't know I was gay. But every single day people were saying in society gay was sick and wrong. All of that. I grew up with nothing but that. And I still turn out to be gay. It doesn't matter what society tells you. We are All who we are innately. Yep. Yeah. The other thing he mentioned was that broadband for everyone, which I thought was really great, which is important. And people don't understand that. When you see things on the corner, like people giving out free phones or government funded phones, people get angry at that. The reason that that program exists is because if people don't have access to online and to phones to get online, they are no longer a part of society. That's the way society works. So that program was created so that people could have access. So broadband for everyone is this is in, is in the same vein.
0: Yeah, I love that because again, you're getting exposed to different things. So your family might tell you one thing, but then you go online and you learn other things and that's just, it, just right. the more information and education, the better. So I'm very excited to, to to see that happen. And also the medical school here in Fresno, which is uh, something that Jim Costa has been working on since pre-pandemic. Uh, is when he first introduced legislation for that to use some of the monies from the federal government to expand. And uh, so hopefully that'll continue. I just saw a whole new nursing thing the other day as we were driving by. So that's great because there is a really bad nursing shortage coming. It's a coming, my friends. So anyways, I would like to move us on to Let's talk about the zoo. Chris, do you want to give us a recap? As those of you who listen know, in our last episode, we talked about our last live episode that we did in the middle of June. We talked about the fact that the promotion for the zoo event for the family days at the zoo was a little lackluster this year. It was a little weird. There was a little difference. There was some stuff going on. They weren't going to have drag queens, but I mean, that's fine. You don't have to have drag queens at every gay event, but also like the community was concerned because they weren't really feeling like the zoo was listening to them. There were some concerns about this being rainbow capitalism, which is a lovely phrase. And for those of you who don't know what rainbow capitalism means, uh, allow me to tell you when businesses and or corporations profit by selling things like pride merchandise without passing on the proceeds to LGBTQIA organizations, putting rainbows on everything, caring about nothing. (laughs) So that is what it is. And people were very concerned that the zoo was doing that. But Chris, you went to this event. Tell us about it. What was it like?
1: Well, it wasn't good. Uh, And I don't mean that as negative comment toward the zoo let me let me just set the stage. It was a Thursday afternoon. The event was from two p m. to seven pm. Now, all things being fair, I got there around five o'clock. So I was not there for the early part of it. but because, like a lot of
0: people, you had to work, right? That was one of the work. concerns exactly. of that time. But go ahead, yeah,
1: yeah, because the last year's event was on a Saturday, So that was a big plus. And last year's event was free. and you had to ask to go. So, and it was only, LGBTQ plus people. This year was open to the public and you had to pay. I paid for a couple of tickets for me and James. I paid $32, $33, which is fine. But we got there and it was very hot that day. So we're looking at, you know, a hundred some degrees when we got there. And then you have to pay for parking as well. So that's another charge. There weren't very many people there. In fact, when we walked in and we walked down the little path. There were there was a table here, a table there, a table there, but nothing like last year. Last year, when we walked in, people were everywhere. We couldn't even get into the event very far because we were meeting so many people we knew and talking and this and that. That didn't happen this year. And then we went to the we got to the area, the big grassy area where they were going to have, you know, they had tables and a couple of booths and they were going to have Robin McGee. He was there with kids like us, and she was going to be speaking, and I, Robin was there, and we talked, and there was nobody there at the chairs. It was empty. I don't think I sent you this picture, Kayla, but I took a picture. Zero people in the chairs, pretty much, and uh, just a couple of booze there. So the attendance was bad, from what I could see. I did run into Dan, who she works at, The Fresno Zoo, and she had been part of the group at the zoo that was upset because we were trying to do a story. On a little backstory, I don't think Kaylee has said, we reached out to them many, many times saying, We want to do an interview with you because basically we started with, We want to promote the event. That's it. We just want to promote. And then as time went by, the community was reaching out to us saying, You know, this looks weird. And why aren't they doing this? And why is it on a weeknight? Blah, 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 blah. So we reached out for interviews and they denied us, denied us, denied us. Until right before we were going to do the radio show on that Wednesday, I sent them an email and I said, look, uh, we've tried to talk to you. You're not talking. Here are, I don't know, five or six questions that we would like you guys to address before we go on the air on Friday live. And um, they answered the questions, but very poorly. It was just like a stock response. There was nothing in it that was interesting or anything beyond helpful nothing that, was
0: helpful, nothing that yeah. was helpful i think nothing that was helpful
1: yeah so i'll be honest james and i you know we stayed at the event 45 minutes or so and we left basically because it was hot and there was nothing going on um and i know some other people that that left as we left
0: but you talked to dan I, was she able to I say talked
1: to dan and i this is what i did i apologized to dan i said look We were not trying to cross you guys or come across as negative to your event. We were simply trying to ask questions, and we felt like you guys were not very responsive. So Kaylee and I had mentioned on the show, the last live show that we did, that we were going to do an article and a following podcast on the zoo. We decided not to do that because when it comes down to it, basically they were trying to do the right thing. They just didn't execute it, really. Mm -hmm. So um, Dan was appreciative of that, that we weren't going to do the story. And she said, don't worry, next year is going to be a lot better. So hopefully, hopefully, and I think that after this year, I hope that they will engage some of us in the community and say, what should we do? How should we handle this?
0: Yeah, it was it was weird because there was a lot of things that were going on. And and I remember talking to other people going, well, I don't know if it's incompetence or apathy or, you know, belligerence or or what we know that there was a lot of pushback a year ago from the big event. And we know that people canceled their memberships. We know people were mad. Uh, we know we're so close to Clovis, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it, it also is hurtful to to see the zoo not not be actively supporting but kind of quietly supporting so it 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 felt awkward and but again there's a difference between incompetence and malfeasance you know so to speak and so it seemed like after you know when we really got push came to shove and we finally got some answers it seemed like it was more not well executed as opposed to them being you know jerks but when they right, didn't talk right. to us are we were like I, we don't know which way it is are they being jerky yeah. or are they just being incompetent and you know when you try to ask somebody a question and they shut you down then you're going to naturally maybe assume that it's the jerky thing so i'm really glad that we held off and didn't like run with any kind of angry story because you know chris and i take what we do talking to the public and stuff pretty seriously and we we cite our sources and we do our research. Yeah. And so. we
1: appreciate the zoo having a pride night. This is so it's been 2 years. Now we appreciate that. And um Kaylee was talking earlier about was it what, what was it pride capitalism is that what she said Ra- it was? Rainbow or?
0: capitalism. Rainbow yeah. capitalism which
1: we see all over the place. Um cough cough target. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> target and <laughs>
0: Target is getting my eye right now because they had the stuff and they pulled the stuff, but then they didn't quite pull the stuff. And I made yeah. a TikTok. I think it's a TikTok. I went in and saw some of the Target items. And you guys, I have never seen such ugly clothes in my entire life. It was <laughs> so painful. Anyways, go ahead. Target yeah.
1: Target is super guilty. And I was, I was, I, I don't mean this to sound silly, but I was in pain after what Target did because as I've said before, if corporations start backing down from their support of us because a minority of people are complaining about it, we're in big trouble. Corporations need to stand by us. And I think that tide will turn.
0: Now who's being the optimist? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: don't worry, that won't last, I'm sure. It was clear to Kaylee and I that the zoo was not being opportunistic in this. They were trying to do what they felt was right, which was a pride night. But I think because they had such backlash over the drag event last year, even though and I was there, perfectly family-friendly event that was not challenging to any child at, at the event. There were lots of children and they were thrilled. But I think they felt like maybe we shouldn't push it so far. But we are in support of the zoo during another event. And we, if you guys want to talk to us, we'd love to bring in a panel <laughs> of LGBTQ people in the Valley and say, you know, maybe you should go this direction. But we support them and we hope next year's better.
0: That's right. Instead of being just... Uh people who point out the problem we like to show up and help with those solutions. So right, right. come on Zoo, give us a call. We'll we'll help you plan yeah, a better event for sure, here. for sure. We're here for it. We're here. We're queer and we like to plan events. You know, another thing that we in the queer community like to do is we like to wave our rainbow stuff around. Not part of rainbow capitalism, but part of acknowledging who we are and our pride in ourselves. And I just we're going to talk about a pride flag and we're going to talk about a very negative thing that happened with a pride flag, but before that, I just want to say that You don't have to be queer to have a pride flag. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day, and she was saying, I want to put a pride thing in my yard, not because I do anything gay in my bedroom, because this woman is very, very straight, but because I want anybody who sees my house to know that I'm a safe space and I'm a safe person. And I just, that's just, that's just freaking beautiful is what that is. So you don't have to be queer to have a flag. A flag lets people know that you are, at the very minimum, An ally and safe. And that's not minimum like it's a bad thing. That is like that's that's one thing. You are a flag. You are safe. You are an ally and you might also be gay. (laughs) So,
1: Chris, (laughs)
0: tell us what happened to your flag.
1: Well, and on that vein, you know, I have a Black Lives Matter flag that I fly once in a while. And I was a little concerned when I first put it out because obviously I'm not black but I want to support the black lives matter movement and black Americans in general. So I fly that once in a while and I'm not black. So you like Kaylee said, you don't have to be gay, but so um, James and I started flying the pride flag here. I don't know, at our house, like five years ago. Um, and I was late to the party. I know a lot of people who flew it in the tower district We're on the, the North side of the tower district. And I didn't necessarily feel like it might be a good idea in our neighborhood, but you know, as much of an activist as I am, I can be the last one to the party sometimes. And about five years ago, I said, no, we have to start flying the flag. And James was all for it. So we started flying the pride flag. And then we updated the pride flag with the newer pride flag that included people of color and the trans community. And we've done it. And it's been fine. And as this month of June progressed, I always in the back of my mind i'm like something's gonna happen because we have gardeners coming over we have electricians coming over we have uh plumbers coming over i'm like something's gonna happen with this with us flying the pride like nothing happened june 29th the day before the last day of the pride month i'm at home i'm sitting on the couch and i'm working on something i don't remember what and i out of the corner of my eye see four teenagers come and they're very close to me but they didn't see me and I didn't see them right away and they start ripping down my pride flag and I jumped up and I yelled and I went out there and they immediately scurried and scurried listen to me scurried they ran away (laughs) they ran scurried ran down the block and I'm yelling at them and I stood in the and they what they did they didn't damage the pride flag but they bent my flagpole and I had to hammer it later and Try and get it back in the holder, um, but it was just hanging there, very dejectedly um, after they left. And I stood in the front yard. I was angry, and I stood in the front yard and I was yelling at them because they ran about a half block up and they just stood there and looked back at me. And I was yelling at them, and they weren't doing anything. And then I decided, okay, they're kids, and I came back in the house. But the other thing I want to say about this story is, I I never post on the Next Door app, which. Um, you know, notifies people in your neighborhood of what's going on. But I decided I'm going to post this because when I got back home, a neighbor from up the street walked up to the house and rang my bell. She's a member of the LGBTQ plus community. And she had ring video of these kids. My ring didn't capture them, but it was the same kids. And she said they were banging on her door and kicking her door and this and that. Now, I don't know if that was just circumstance or if it was because they thought she was, you know, a member of the community. So I posted it on Nextdoor, expecting all kinds of backlash. Surprisingly, most people were were supportive. There were a few people that said, you know, oh, well, if they may have taken down your pride flag, but you won't have to worry about the American flag because you don't fly it. And I said, I start flying the American flag on July 1st. So but 90% of the comments were positive, even going so because there was one person of religion on there that was saying some Christian stuff about God and LGBTQ people. And they all came back against her. I didn't have to do any of it. They were saying, you know, they are a a protect class and they are discriminated against class and it's not the same as ABCD. So that was very encouraging.
0: That is, that is indeed. I'm so sorry about your flag, but I'm glad that the comment section was friendly and not a toxic wasteland of vile.
1: It was. and, And I also wanted to say that Starting about two years ago, there are about six pride flags that fly on our street during June month, which is very encouraging.
0: It is. It definitely, definitely is.
1: So I said, I encourage you all to fly your pride flag because it means something. It lets other people know that you're supportive or you're in the community and it's a safe place.
0: Yep, for sure. For sure. We love to see it too. Like to see them in the wild. It makes you feel good. Okay, so we have a segment that we haven't done since May, because June was super crazy. And what we typically do is I tell you about a couple of I tell you about an LGBT book that I think that you should read and Chris tells you about a movie, but we've both been so busy that he does not have an LGBT movie. And I have three LGBT books to tell you about, so I'm going. I knew you'd
1: come through, Galia. Yay!
0: I'm going to give you literally like one sentence for each because I just feel like that's the best way to do it. So, if you would like to read a book about an elderly gay man who comes out as an elderly man, and it's it's set in like I think England. Uh, Ireland, somewhere over there. Anyways, comes out at the very end of his life. And it's a love story. And it's a romance. And it's very, 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 very sweet. And will remind you of a man called Ove or the Pilgrimage of Harold Fry, either of those books. This book has a lot of similarities to that. It is called The Secret Life of Albert Entwistle. And it is written by Matt Kane, And it was very, very cute. If, however, you don't want to read about an old gay man, but you're more interested in a YA book with a female bi protagonist, I have a book for you. This one is called Ghost Wood Song. It is by Erica Waters. It is spooky. It is sad. It is good. Our bi protagonist gal is pretty awesome for a teenager, and I don't really like YA overly much, but this one really worked for me, and it had uh, it was good. It was sad. It was uh, so- Southern. She lives in Florida. But if those are both too realistic for you and you're more into the speculative fiction kind of thing, here's a book about souls that are now in robot bodies where gender, of course, is meaningless. And there's also a tangential lesbian love story. (laughs) It is called The Companions, and it was written by Katie M. Flynn. It's very cool. It was written pre-pandemic, but there is a major pandemic in it that keeps people locked into their houses in quarantine for years and years. So if that's triggering for you, don't read it. But it was very interesting. Also, I will tell you, there's a lot of shifting points of view, a lot of characters, and because these robots can switch bodies, it, sometimes if you're not a they close, can switch
1: bodies. If
0: you're not a close reader, you might get a little confused. So be careful with that.
1: That sounds interesting.
0: If none of those sound interesting to you, then Chris and I both read the 1950s lesbian love story with Gasp, A Happy Ending, The Price of Salt, also known as Carol, by Patricia Highsmith, because we did that uh, and we discussed that book and movie on the other podcast that we do together sometimes. So there you go. You got a bunch of book recommendations to get you through the summer. I would say all of them, well, probably not The Price of Salt. That one's heavy. But the other three you could very easily read on a beach and be very happy about it. Okay. And no. can I pool. just
1: point out that Kaylee has started her read picks with an elder gay man <laughs> who came out as an elder, Secret Life of Albert Entwistle. And I, I think we all know who she's referring to as the. So I, I, I'm in her head. She's now reading about elder gay men, not just having a good friend who's an elder gay man. So that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. See, I I got the elder gay man for you, the bi protagonist, you know, solving a good story. Yeah, and then you
1: fed right into the bi thing we were just talking about. Exactly.
0: And then we've got speculative fiction. I know both of us are total speculative fiction nerds. So a little something for everybody. I'm a giver. There you go. You are. You are. (laughs) Welcome. Okay. And our very last segment, as you know, I like to teach Chris words. Oh, Yay. (laughs) Not just Chris. Okay, so this time I decided that I needed to teach the general public because Chris knows a lot of things that a lot of people don't. And in the last couple months, I've realized that there is a word I use all the time. And I have even used it on this podcast. And you might not know what it means. Also, it gives me an excuse to talk about kickball. That's right. It's
1: kickball. Oh, time for a shot.
0: It's the sapphic mafia is my kickball team's name. And yes, we will be playing in the championships tomorrow. If you are listening Yay. to this on Friday, um, it's the end of the season. Exciting, exciting. But sapphic people keep asking me what that means. So I will tell you, sapphic means women and non binary people who are attracted to to women they may or may not be attracted to other genders as well and may identify as lesbian bisexual pansexual queer etc so i'm a sapphic person the term refers to sappho a 7th century bce poet who wrote about her attraction to women sapphic can also be used as an adjective as in that outfit is totally sapphic and basically um if you've heard of the island of lesbos that's where Sappho, the poet, was hanging out and doing her lesbian is that writing. Where Wonder stuff. Woman was from, or <laughs> it's a different island. <laughs> oh, well, there's still a lot of. Les- it's kind yes, of there. the same, but yes, and she wrote beautiful, beautiful poems. One thing that I'm going to read just—it's two lines from one of my favorite poems, and here it is. It goes like this: "You came, and I was longing for you. You cooled a heart that burned with desire, and I just." Think very sexy so i like that
1: there you go So yeah i did know about Sappho's. i did know about sapphic but tell me why on your kickball team <laughs> it's mafia followed after sapphic
0: well okay so you may or may not have heard of the alphabet mafia <laughs> um well, which yeah, is, yeah. okay so that's what people sometimes call like the the the, the rainbow the salad police. of the word. Uh, well, the alphabet mafia has to do with LGBTQIA plus. Like there's so many letters that right. people were like, oh, you have to make sure you use them all and blah, blah, blah. blah. So like, that's where the alphabet mafia comes yeah, if from. You don't
1: know, people don't know there's about 26 letters to the actual acronym,
0: which is why a lot of us just use the plus sign. Right. Okay. Right, right. So when we were coming up with team names and at the time our team was all cis women early on and now we we are more diverse but we are primarily you know sapphic women and so we i just came up with hey we could be the sapphic mafia instead of the alphabet mafia and they just flowed really well and then so when you're
1: not playing kickball do you guys (laughs) roam the streets and try and convert women to your sapphic mafia standard
0: You know, I would say we tend to roam vibes a <laughs> Yeah, no, and, well, that's uh, true, that's true. Um, we all took a, a group trip to Santa Cruz last month, or two months ago now, in May, and there is a great picture of, I think there's like seven or eight of us walking down, the, and we're all in our matching Sapphic Mafia sweatshirts. Yeah,
1: and- that's a great picture, but tell me, is there video from that trip? There's got to be some video, right?
0: Um, not that is ready for public consumption.
1: I knew it, <laughs> not public, <okay. laughs>
0: But if you are interested in uh, sapphic Mafia or kickball in general, again, our game, our season is ending. Um, but there will be more seasons. Pickleball is starting up for those of you interested in pickleball. And I feel like if I can get a couple drinks and Chris, I might get him on the pickleball court. And I pickleball feel like
1: actually intrigues me. It does.
0: I I you know what I. I don't think I have the hand-eye coordination to be a very good player, but man, I wouldn't have. I would like to go out and just see if oh, I could smack I didn't, a ball. I, didn't I think say it would be super good, fun. But... Oh, I think you and I should join as a team and just. <laughs> oh can... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and just so you all know, this is through Out Loud Sports, which is a local organization that uh, promotes queer sports.
0: Our team can be queer things.
1: <laughs> oh, the queer things.
0: QTs. <gasps> because we're so darn cute oh my god oh my
1: god she's working it out already
0: (laughs) will be a logo tomorrow no just kidding okay well that i feel like was quite an episode so thank you all for sticking with us as you know you can email us your questions comments queries etc at it's a queer thing at gmail.com and find us on facebook and find us on instagram listen to this podcast if you like it rate us and review us and if you really like us tell your friends to listen because that's how we get more people to listen and then that's just awesome so and a big special thank you again to mr jim to jim
1: Costa. costa yeah he was great
0: Okay. And Chris, and until two weeks from now, happy July.
1: Happy <laughs> July. You know, we're, we know we're baked into this now. We're going to have to do this every month.
0: Yes, I know. I know. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening.